0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to NLCC Aldergrove Campus. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, we're awake. That's awesome. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Matthew Warnock, and uh, as has been discussed, I am one of the interns here at North Langley Community Church. I primarily work with the youth, especially here at the Alder Grove campus, but really they plug me in anywhere necessary, as interns are. Um, If you are new here, we welcome you here in this place this morning. Uh, This, as you've noticed, is a very special Sunday as we get the opportunity to celebrate the youth in our church and especially the graduates. So congrats to all of you once again. Today we will be going through a very fitting passage for teenagers as it is all about weighing the future and hating your parents Good that one landed. I, I hope you know I'm joking, <laughs> but that that is just the first glance of Scripture today. I invite you all to pull your Bibles out if you have it, um, or your Bible apps on your phone, and look up uh, Luke fourteen twenty-five to thirty-five. There are Bibles located in the backs of the pews in front of you, as well. And just so you all know, over the past few years, our church has been going through the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we heard Pastor John speak on Luke 14, verses 15 to 24. John shared about being invited to the banquet or to the kingdom of God. He shared on how all of us sometimes form excuses to enter that banquet and follow Jesus. Anyways, let's dive into the word together. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build a tower and was not able to finish. All, or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? To hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all bow your heads for a minute as we just dive in with prayer, beginning with prayer? Father, I thank you so much for this morning that you've given us. I thank you for the time and space and ability to be here and be present with you. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be in this place, that we would recognize it, that it would be tangible. And that it would be working in our hearts this morning. We thank you for your words that you've given us. And we just pray that it would saturate our, our hearts and our minds. Lord, would you teach us something new today? And would we become your disciples? Lord, we, again, we thank you so much for this morning and for this opportunity. And I just pray a blessing over each of us as we grow closer with you, Lord. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Whew. I'm so glad that my first passage I ever preach at Alder Grove Campus is such a breeze. <laughs> we heard the word, folks. Hate your fam. Don't play if you're going to lose. And we should be saltier. <laughs> Man, it's, it's tough. At least at first glance, that's what we see. But let's break it down a little bit more than that. I would love to say, pick up your cross and follow me. That's your message. We can all go home, simple enough. I love simplifying things. Uh, Some would call it dumbing it down, but I don't think any of us are dumb. I just like to be easy for most things. So let's break down this passage a little bit more than pick up your cross and follow me. The theme that really came across to me as a I studied this passage and looked into it for this, this morning, was to see the goal, consider the cost, and remember the call. See, consider, remember. We're all going to know that by the end of this, hopefully. Because it means something. So first off, let's look back to the text. Jesus, right off the bat, is provocative. He is already poking at the crowd listening to him. They definitely pack a punch. Even present day, I can just see the crowd squirming as this message slid right into their DMs. You laugh. That's that's what the kids say for direct uh, direct messages on social media for you older folks out there. But we have to ask, who is Jesus talking to? Well, duh, it says right there, great crowds. Masses of people are already following Jesus' invitation. Probably most of them had heard him share about this feast, saying they are all invited. But what is Jesus saying here? What is this all about, and why are we called to hate, especially loved ones? If this is the first time you have heard this, know that Jesus is using hyperbole, and is not actually saying, go and hate your family. Newsflash. I know that all of you know what hyperbole is, but for my sake, I will define it. <laughs> hyperbole is an exaggerate, exaggerated statement or claims not meant to be taken literally. Especially for those in middle and high school, we are called to honor our parents as expressed in Exodus 20 verse 12, which is just as much a command to the teenager as it is to the seniors here. But instead, Jesus is using this hyperbolic language, slightly exaggerating so that the importance and priority is on one thing over another. A over B, following Christ and laying your life down for Him over following our families. This statement would have been monumental in Jewish culture as family carried an immense amount of significance, far greater than what we see today. Not only was family symbolic of stature within society, it would also create individuals' identity. And these days I rarely hear, my name is Pastor Kevin Schultz, son of Diane from the exclusive Aldergrove campus, descendants of the Mennonite brethren tradition. Because, Kevin, we just don't care. See, without family, an individual would have very little identity. So they were being called to make a choice, really. Jesus was raising the stakes for everybody, listening, especially those Jewish audiences. They were forced to make a choice. Will they find their identity through their families, or will they find their identity in their Savior? Now, we are forced to make that same choice. We have the individual responsibility to see what God is calling us to. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, theologian and author, wrote in regards to this passage, Through the call of Jesus, men and women become individuals. Willy-nilly, they are compelled to decide, and that decision can only be made by themselves. It is no choice of their own that makes them individuals. It is Christ who makes them individuals by calling them. Every man and woman is called separately and must follow alone. In that moment, Jesus put the ball in our court. Also, before we move on, I want to acknowledge the part where Jesus says, hate yourself. As Christians, many of us live out this a little too well, especially young people. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, This is a message that we should not misinterpret. Again, this is hyperbolic language where we are not actually called to hate ourselves but instead to love something or someone greater. God the Father sent his son to die on a cross far before we acknowledged him as Lord of our lives. God's love for us supersedes all of who we are regardless of us weighing the cost of discipleship He loves us. No need for self-deprecation or self-hatred. We are worthy, valued, and loved greatly. This message is vital, especially for me to hear, as I have struggled with low self-worth for much of my life. As C.S. Lewis, creator of Chronicles of Narnia, as well as the theologian and author, is attributed to saying, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. We must carry humility and yet know that we still have value, worth, and purpose in Jesus Christ alone. We must see ourselves as Christ sees us. We must see what Christ is offering. Secondly, we must consider Jesus continues telling the crowd that they must feel the weight of what it means to become a disciple. He does this using practical analogies and parables. Jesus uses these very pragmatic examples to the crowds living in the Greco-Roman world where towers were built and wars were waged frequently. Even Israel had towers and armies inundated throughout their history. The first one that Jesus introduces is in regards to a builder weighing the cost of building. And I know not all of us are builders here, but many of us have lived through building projects. (coughs) Alder Group. Where we have money to do as much as we can, but not as much as we would like. Pastor Kevin wanting all the bathrooms to be finished by the Sunday, and a jumbo jet plane. I'm merely kidding. Pastor Kevin never officially asked for a jumbo jet, officially. But even like a Sunday like this, we have four usable toilets. Praise Jesus, that is amazing already. The rest is yet to be finished. The key difference between that and and the passage is that we are working towards finishing those. We have not quit or given up, not yet at least. A better example, let's probably more in tune, is I pull from my own childhood. When I was in grade five, we were introduced to the concept of track and field. I was not the most physically fit, as you may see today. Or at any point in my life, but I was more round than lean, sort of like a weeble wobble. Anybody know what that is? (laughs) Tip them over, they don't... Anyways... That was me. This was the year that they lined us up and pit us against each other, similar to Lord of the Flies, if you've read it. It was definitely survival of the fittest. At the beginning of the year, they had us line up around the track, eight students in the eight lanes. The PE teacher blew his whistle, and we were off. Most of us. I struggled immensely, to say the very least. By the time I made it to the halfway mark of the one lap that we were supposed to do, I looked over and I saw the first student already finish. The rest of the pack was not far behind him. I was full of feelings of anguish and defeat and shame, so much so that at that point, I tripped on purpose. That is how bad I felt. I quit. I was filled with shame and anguish, It was truly humiliating. But next in the passage, Jesus compares taking on faith in him to a general weighing the cost of war, especially with a larger army. This is especially foreign to most of us, as although there is unfortunately still war, it is not nearly as common as it once was. But we can still imagine. Jesus is speaking about war but not necessarily speaking about war at the same time. He is using these particular examples so that we may consider the cost of discipleship. Ultimately, Jesus is extending the invitation, but forewarning those who hear. This may not be exactly the easiest journey you have embarked on. There may be points where you feel like quitting, and that's okay to feel like that. Again, Jesus is not trying to discourage people from following him. He is just trying to care and educate those who have seen and now must consider if this is for them. Christians may know that this is for everybody. But by the grace of God, we have been given a choice to receive this call. When I was 18 years old, a long time ago, I had the opportunity of going to a Bible college in Austria. It was just at the foot of the Alps. My friend Nate invited me. I didn't want to go. I went. It was all right. No, just kidding. It was life-changing and transforming. Um, But one evening, we were sitting around with some students, and we had this super awesome idea to hike the Alp closest to us at midnight. Yeah, it's brilliant. We totally planned it out like two hours before. Uh, we, we thought of all the things that could go wrong. No, we didn't. Um, and we met at midnight that night. We said, We'll meet in the foyer. We all get there in the, in the foyer. We're wearing shorts and runners and stuff. And uh, we left. We embarked. Um, we started on this journey. And like I said about grade five, I was not much different when I was 18. It was just round. And it was, so it was tough to say the very least. Uh, it was about a six hour hike. And the goal was to get to the top of the Alp. By sunrise. I was climbing grassy mounds like this. I don't even know how it's possible. I'm passing goats who are staring at me with judgmental eyes. We're crossing through barbed wire fences, electric fences. We don't know where we're going, just up. That was all that we had. We did not fully consider this journey at all. So much so that we got about one-third of the way up. And I was spent. I had nothing left. I was like sweating and bleeding and crying. And I said, that's it, everybody. I can't go on. I'm just going to stay here. And I was embarrassed. And I felt shame. I was in pain, especially having to face others in that failure. It was not easy to quit. But I did not consider the cost of this journey. Even where I am now in life, contrary to popular belief, I've not always held the established title of Youth Summer Intern. It's crazy. I've had many titles and some, some a little more established than Intern. The job that I had set my sights on prior to coming to NLCC was a city planner as I completed my BA with a geography major in concentration in city planning and urban studies. Whew, what a mouthful. But during that time, I had to reconsider where I was headed. As you know now, I intern at NLCC in the youth department under Dane, It is an, an incredible experience. There's so many incredible leaders in front of me that I get to learn from. I am apprenticed to Dane, learning from him on how to do this, how to do this all. At the same time, I am apprenticed to Jesus. I was heading in one direction and yet had to stop and consider because I felt the call back towards ministry vocationally. And although it was the right choice, it was still a hard choice to make, and I quit what I was doing. Lastly, we must remember. This is the salt portion. Remind ourselves as often as possible to look back and see, and potentially even consider, once again, the same call that we are called to. Christ did not say these things to a crowd in a way of a poor salesman, or an incompetent politician. He was not trying to sell us to faith as the lemon of a car or as a politician flaunting his own faults. Instead, Christ said this to us as a warning. Just as a guide of a hike might say prior to leading others through danger or hardships. This is going to be hard. There may be dangers ahead. But Christ tells us what's on the other side, and will help us to lead us through. We just need to remember that. Christ uses the analogy of salt losing its flavor. Let's all geek out for a minute and learn about that. This was, and still is, chemically impossible on its own. David Garland, theologian and author, says, Salt is good, but if salt should lose its savor, how will it be resalted? We don't have to read the Greek, but... The Greek reads, literally, if salt becomes foolish, tasteless, unsalty, it is impossible for pure sodium chloride to lose its saltiness. But salt in Palestine was obtained from the evaporation of dead sea water and contained a mixture of salt gypsum and carnalite. The salt crystals could dissolve, leaving a residue that looked like salt, but without any salty tang. Does this sound familiar? First thing that comes to my mind are believers. Christians can look, talk, and act, but not have any taste, any flavor, any zest, any life. Jesus was saying this to a Jude- Jewish audience the people of Israel who God had been asking for heart worship for so long. And how are we any different today? as we sit in the same comfortable pews, sometimes in the same spots, sipping our coffees, singing heartwarming songs, and listening to the good news. How are we being the salt of the earth? I asked myself this question for the last few weeks as I prepared for this sermon, and I struggled to answer. See, I serve in youth, young and adult ministry, freedom session, children's ministry, mentoring, discipleship, apprenticeship groups, and so on. I'm so busy doing kingdom work. I must still be salty, right? I at least look like it. That's not enough. That's not what we're called to. Just because I am actively serving does not mean my heart is fully in it. I must remember God wants our whole selves to himself. After all, we are his, and he has a plan for each of us. We just need to remember. Back to the story of when I was 18 and dying on the side of the Alp. (sighs) Here I am, sitting in my shame for some time, collecting my thoughts. I spend a few minutes doing that, mainly crying actually and it led me to a place and point of just talking to Jesus I used that time to pray and to meditate on his word on all that he had done in my life including taking me to Bible college when I was 18 I had a lot of pushback but God really wanted to wrestle with my heart at that time and so During that time, I I felt God speak to me. You are my child. You are loved. I care for you. I also remembered some of his words from scripture that came back to me. One in particular, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Lots of people know it. It just kept going like a broken record in my head. And in that moment, I felt God's presence come over me. And I don't know why I did what I did. I don't know what I was doing. But in that moment, I stood up. I felt compelled to continue walking up this mountain. Again, not knowing where I was going. Just, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The group had already gone 20, 30 minutes ahead of me. But there I was, following what I felt God wanted me to do. Remembering the good that he had done in my life. And it felt like it was no time at all. I had made it to the very top of the mountain, only to come upon a cross. That's a God moment right there. Just as the sun is cresting over the other side, somehow I passed the group along the way. They took that picture of me. I didn't even know they were there. I was on my knees saying, Thank you, Jesus. I remember what you've done in my life. Please, please be Lord of my life. God worked. David Garland also wrote, In Luke's context, the image of salt relates to discipleship and applies to the characteristics Jesus has just enumerated. The readiness to renounce kin, comfortable living, and life itself, all for the sake of being Jesus' disciple. A false form of discipleship may look like salt, but the gradual process of leaching leaves only a zestless pile of waste. Ooh. This is when we must see again. The original call to discipleship, the emphasis placed on carrying our crosses, this message is just as much for me, if not more so, as it is for each of us here. And yes, we have heard the classic cliche of carry your cross, carry your cross. But are we living it? Am I going out of my way to have the gospel message transform my life? Am I seeking areas of discomfort, social awkwardness, even hardship? What is Christ calling us away from and what is he calling us towards? One thing that comes to mind is time and money. Where do these things go? Are they being shaped by the word of God? Are you including Christ in the conversation and decisions of your spending? What in our lives consumes us more than Christ? Where do we feel the pull of the world most? Is it our neighbor's new car that makes us want one as well? Or is it doom scrolling through TikTok? Doom scrolling is just scrolling through posts, pictures, and videos for an unhealthy amount of time. And we laugh, especially those of us over 25. We may not have TikTok, but Facebook and news sites, Scrabble games, whatever consumes us. What are the other things that do consume us? Lust, power, buying things. Work, success, working out, comfort, education, family, volunteering, serving. Regardless of what it is, we need to ask ourselves, are we actively being discipled by Jesus? Are we being apprenticed to the life and work that he wants from us? Is he saturating all areas of our lives? I would like to invite the worship team up. And while they're coming up, I would just like to let you guys know that there is a prayer team available on either side and also in the foyer in the back. Not only are they available, but they are looking to pray with you. If you are looking to receive prayer, especially on something that was said today, I urge you to go and seek it. And Alder Grove Campus, I asked you to join me this week, today, in carrying our crosses and following Jesus together. If you are exploring faith new to it or have been a Christian for many years, are you seeing, considering, and remembering the work that God has done in your life, the invitation and the call to follow him. Especially grads as you guys move on next year. These questions, let them ruminate, make decisions, and include God in the process of that. As Jesus warns us, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So I hope and pray that this week, That today we can see, consider, and remember the call to pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. I'm just gonna pray and then we'll move into worship. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your wisdom in guiding us. I thank you for the, the warning that you give to us as we consider following you. But we see that warning, Lord. And we still choose to make you Lord of our lives. God, you are so good. And I just pray that today that we would evaluate, that we would consider, that we would see and remember and what you want us to do in our lives to change, to be more like you, to have your love transform us. So God, we thank you so much for this Sunday gathering. But we pray that the service does not end here that your spirit does not stop at these doors, that you would walk with us today in whatever you have for us. Lord, we thank you. We remember all that you've done. So Lord, we worship your name. Thank you so much. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.